Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. We're celebrating the greatest thing to ever happen in human history. Listen to me, we didn't get to do, just stop, look around this place, please, look around this place. May we never take this for granted again a day in our lives, amen? Can we just praise God right here? Praise, this is awesome. So happy to be here. I need a Kleenex and not cry. Got my 10-year-old son, Brody, here. He's going to read scripture for us this morning. I'm going to hold the mic. Um, This is Colossians um, 3.15. And... And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Love in the softball. Thanks, buddy. Here you go. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I know we have a lot of visitors here. I don't do this a lot. Let's do some some icebreakers. And the introverts are like, oh, I hate icebreakers. Let's be easy. So I'm just going to throw some questions out. You, you kind of just raise your hand. It's a quiet icebreaker, okay? Um, and we'll start super easy, right? For the Americans in the room, who, who knows Michael Jordan? Come on, partic- listen to me. Some of y'all ain't participating. This is not how this is going to go. Okay, I didn't ask if you liked him. And the, okay, who knows Tom Brady? See, you know him. See? Now we know all the people who hate winners in the room. Okay, you know those people. Yeah, those are easy. Now raise your hand high. Who knows Dick Bavetta? I knew you would. I knew you would too. Okay, a little easier. Who knows Ed Hockley? Okay, listen to me. These are officials. M- uh, uh, Dick is from the NBA. Ed from the NFL, and I could name, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, there are Hall of Fame umpires and officials. Did you know this? Like, there's a Hall of Fame for these guys. And, and there's a reason. It's because they're really good at what they do. And we all know some of those guys that do that, and, like, they're not very good at what they do. We know those guys. My, in my former life, uh, I was a coach, and it's like, man, some of these guys are trying to be horrible. And then I would have to have conversations with them that usually didn't go well. Um, but the Hall of Fame guys, you want those guys. You knew as a player and as a coach when, when those guys were officiating, when those guys were umpiring, you're like, oh, yeah, see, there's going to be order. There, there, this isn't going to be a, a game where chaos will ensue. They bring order to chaos. That's what great umpires and officials do. They make sure the game is played the way that it's meant to be played. And who benefits from that? The answer is everyone, all players on both sides, coaches, all the other officials that are umpires who umpire with a Hall of Famer. Now, why am I even talking about this? Because Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 talks about umpires and officials. You just didn't catch it. Now, if you're visiting, we've been in the book of Colossians for a long time. We're going to be there for a few more weeks. That's why I chose this verse today. Um, but it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word for rule is where we get our word to umpire or to be an official. Let the peace of God 
umpire your hearts. Let the peace of God officiate your hearts. How do we do this? <laughs> right? That sounds really good, doesn't it? But how do we do this? Where do we even start? So here's what I want to do. If we're to let the peace of God rule our hearts, I think what we first have to do is get a clearer understanding of God and his heart. So let's start there. Okay? And, and if you're following Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here, it's Easter. There are people who are not following Jesus, I'm so, and I'm pumped you're here. And we've, been, we've prayed for you. And even if you're following Jesus, we literally prayed for you this morning. Walked in and out of these pews. You're sitting in a pew that was prayed over you. We're prayed over this morning. If you're following Jesus, I think it's good for you to sharpen your view of God and his heart on a regular basis. If you're not following Jesus, you maybe have some ideas of God that just aren't right. And I want you to understand God's heart this morning. So who is God? Because there's this myth out there, right? And it's like, well, I see the Old Testament and there's this God that's like mean, and he kills people, and he's wicked, and he's a mean killer. But then I go to the New Testament, it's like, well, I see this God that's loving, and that doesn't add up. Well, that's a myth. Because a correct view of God is not that of like God the Father, whose identity is like judgment. I'm going to kill you, I'm going to crush you. And then a son, Jesus, who is just all about love. Their hearts are the same. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, their hearts are the same. A common perception among Christians is that the Father is less prone to love than the Son. That is an incorrect thought. So who is God? Who is God? Who do I ask about, man, can you tell me about God? I got a perfect place to start. How about we ask God who God is? One of the best places you can go is in Exodus chapter 34. Now, here we go. This is Tom Brady. This is Michael Jordan stuff. Who's heard of Moses? Ha <laughs> All right. Hey, Moses, Hall of Fame guy. He is. Read Hebrews. So God is revealing himself to Moses. Because Moses is kind of confused. He's like, you, well, you want me to just move and go to? And God's like, yeah. Who are you? Okay, and, and the Lord, or Yahweh, is really, literally what it is, Yahweh passed before him. That's Moses. So Yahweh passes before Moses and proclaimed. Who proclaimed? Yahweh proclaimed. What did he proclaim in Exodus 34, verse 6? We're, remember, we're asking God who God is. Are you ready? Here's what he tells us. The Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious and slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lonely, says this, Left to our own natural intuitions about God, we will conclude that mercy is his strange work and judgment is his natural work. But God doesn't say that about himself. So we shouldn't say that about God. This is big. Listen to me. I'm giving you some really, really good news today. Who God says he is is really, really good news. 
It's the best news you're ever going to hear in your life. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But I, this is Brad, but I, me, I expect, here's some confession, I expect the bent of God's heart to be vengeance to my sin and my rebellious spirit. That's what I expect. But that's not who God says he is. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 33, says this. Talking about God. For he does not afflict from his heart. Can can we just let that, just read that verse. God does not afflict, it's not God's heart. Maybe this morning you're one who thinks like God's heart is, is fragile. Are you one that think God is this God who's easily insulted? See, God's heart is fragile and it's easy, easily insulted. Is that, is that what you think of God this morning? Maybe, maybe not. You're like, oh, heck no. Actually, okay, maybe you're one who thinks that God's heart is like stone and uneasily moved. Either way, that's, you're thinking incorrectly. If that's what you think about God's heart, you are thinking incorrectly. So those of you who have been with us, remember Colossians. It says to set your minds on things that are above. If you are thinking that God has this heart of stone and he's just angry, you're not thinking on things that are above. If you think God has this fragile heart and he's easily insulted, you are not thinking on things that are above. So let me ask you, is that what you have thought about God? A lot of theologians say what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Is what I just gave you, the two examples I gave you, is that what you think about God? He's fragile. He's offended easily. He's cold. Listen, if that's what you think, I have some really, really good news for you today. Like the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. Okay? Isaiah. Look at Isaiah, chapter 55. You get this, like, y'all, you got, so, raise your hand if you have this verse on your coffee cup, be honest. Okay, this is coffee cup stuff. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Right? Right? Huh? For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. And we read that verse, and I'm not saying you're wrong in thinking this, but, but sometimes we're like, well, COVID, well, his ways are higher than my ways. Right? But listen to me. We always want to check context. I, I'm always confused why we leave out verse 7. In context... Okay, because here's the reality. Many of us, I'm guilty of this, many of us have incorrect thoughts about God's heart. He's cold. He's easily offended. And we don't go to God to let him tell us about him. And I know this because here's the reality, right? We, we We take the dad God gave us on this earth and we say, well, that's what God the Father's like. And some of y'all had a dad who was cold, and his heart wasn't moved easily, and you were scared to death of him. And that's how you feel about God the Father. 
And some of you have a dad who was so fragile that it was like you had to care for his feelings more than he cared for yours. And you couldn't say things, you couldn't be honest. And guess what? That's how you treat God the Father. So look at me. So what we have to do is quit looking at our earthly fathers. And we got to go ask God about God. So this verse I just read you, his ways are higher than my ways. Check this out. See, see that was Isaiah 55 verse 8. Look at verse 7. Let's read verse 7. And then see what verse 8 tells us and 9. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the, right, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. What do you think about God? Is it incorrect? Okay, let me back up. It says, let the wicked forsake his way. If you're in here breathing and you have red blood, that's you and that's me. We're the wicked who must forsake our way. That's all. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. Wait a minute. So that he may crush him with a lightning bolt. No, no, no. So that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Listen, that's the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. That's our God. That's his heart. Have compassion on him and to our God who will abundantly pardon. Why? For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What you think I'm going to do isn't what I'm going to do because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. I know you think if you walk in here on Easter, it's the first time you've been in church in a year, you're like, is this building going to fall in on me? No, because God's thoughts are way higher than your thoughts. His ways are way higher than your ways. Could it be, hear me out, Hill City Church, could it be that the enemy's greatest victory in your life, I'm talking like today, right now, could it be that the enemy's greatest victory in your life isn't actually the sin in which you partake in or maybe even I would say coddle? Maybe that isn't the enemy's greatest victory in your life today. But maybe it's your incorrect thoughts of God and his heart that lead to those sins in the first place. Maybe it's your thoughts of God. Maybe the enemy's greatest advantage in your life today is that your thoughts of God that cause you to distance yourself from him when you fail. Maybe that's the enemy's greatest victory in your life today. Set your minds on things that are above. God is merciful. He tells us this about himself. The New Testament says he's rich in mercy. Like he doesn't run out of this stuff. He's gracious. He's abounding in steadfast love. It's who he is. It's not like that he has this little bit or even this huge bucket that he doles it out. And it's like, I got I to gotta be conservative with this because I, I only have so much. Listen, he's rich in mercy. That's really, really good news. 
That's the heart of God. That's his heart. Are you hearing me this morning? That's God's heart. Okay, listen. We, we could pray, we could sing, we could go home and just reflect on the heart of God. But everything I just told you, it gets better. It literally gets better. I have more good news, okay? Everything I just told you, literally everything I just told you, put on flesh one day and came to this planet because there was no way we were going to get it. If that God's like, okay, listen, I'm merciful. I've told him this. I've told him this for a thousand years. I, I got to go down there. And he puts on flesh and he dwells among us. Jesus. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come, that's when he put on flesh, meaning at the exact perfect right time, God said, now, I'm going to go. I'm going to put on flesh. And Jesus comes and he lives a sinless life that we can never, ever live. And he actually showed us in real life what the mercy and love of God looks like. The apostles said that they saw it, they touched it, they handled it. That's Jesus. That's the mercy and love of God. And then he died, this brutal death that he didn't deserve and that actually we all deserve. And he was buried in this borrowed tomb and he was there for three days, body starting to stink, and he came back to life. He rose again, he conquered death and sin, and he's alive today and he'll be alive forevermore. And then he actually ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God. That's what happened. And here's what Ephesians, uh, we've been in Colossians. Colossians 2.13 says this. Ephesians 2.1 says this. This, this was us. Okay? I, I'm not, I don't even have to go there. I'll just tell you what it says, right? Ephesians 2.1. You were dead. I was dead. That's what the Bible says about us. Okay? And then, and then in his letter to the Colossians, he says this to them. He says, you were dead. And I was dead. Now listen to me. The work of God, the work of Jesus, his primary work, stay with me, his primary work isn't to repair broken people. Does he repair broken people? Everybody said, praise God, he, oh, yes, he repairs broken people. His primary work isn't to wake up sleepy people. Anybody, give me, mom's in the room, amen? Does he do that? Yes, he does it, because he's rich in mercy. His primary work isn't to guide wandering people. And Brad Lowe says, good, I get lost all the time. I need it. Does he guide wandering people, Hill City Church? Praise God he does. His primary work isn't to encourage discouraged people. Does he encourage discouraged people? Y'all wake up. Talk to me. Listen to me. Does he encourage discouraged people? Okay. This is Brad Lotz again. Does he educate ignorant people? Come on, who's with me? Somebody going to say something here. Okay, does he? Praise Jesus he does all that. But it's not his primary work. His primary work isn't to repair broken people, wake sleepy people, guide wandering people, encourage discouraged people, educate ignorant people. Ultimately... Come on, you get, listen, this is your, Jesus came 
to make dead people alive. That's us. We were dead, and he came to make dead people alive. But he does all the things I just told you. Why? Because he's rich in mercy. But, but what's his heart? Here's his heart. You ready? See, somebody came in here this morning, and I know that. I mean, I know this is for you. So, so Jesus, this Jesus we're talking about, puts on flesh and is showing us what the mercy and love of God looks like. This is what he says, his literal words. You ready? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly at heart. That's what Jesus says. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You need to hear this this morning, Hill City Church. That's the heart of God. It's the only time in Scripture that he actually tells us literally what's in his heart, where he says, I am gentle and lowly at heart. That's our God. He deals gently, Hill City Church. May we understand this. Some of y'all don't believe this. He deals gently. But here's the thing. Now, here, if, if there's a catch, which there really isn't, here it is. You have to come to him to experience him dealing gently. So, so we got to be honest with ourselves for a minute, right? So uh, I, I was recently in Arizona, and there's this golf store. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's like PXG. It's a new golf brand, right? And it's super expensive stuff. I just kind of went in there because I had to go to the bathroom, and, and I like to look at expensive golf stuff, okay? I didn't buy anything. But I could have, and I could have went in there and bought a $90 shirt and a $130 pair of pants and, and, and a $6,000 set of irons, okay? But here's what I know. That would not have made me a golfer. <laughs> now hear me. And I'm telling you this because I love you and I want to say this as gently as I can. Coming here on Easter doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. And y'all look beautiful today. I'm telling you, you got some dresses and flower stuff. I mean, okay. You have to come to Jesus to experience his gentleness. This isn't something that just being born, being alive on the planet, that you get to experience. Here's, here's an example. This is the best I can do. Imagine going to an orphanage, right, Maybe, where, where there are just tons of malnourished children. Put yourself in this situation. And you've got the vitamins, and you've got the water, and you've got the food, and, and you go there, and you know, like, this is what they need. A doctor's told you this is what they need, and you have it. And none of those orphans will take what you have. What, what, what would be your response? You're going to flip tables? These idiot kids! No, let me tell you what you're doing. You're going to weep. You know why? Because you know you have what they need. That's the heart of God. He deals gently. He's not angry with you. He's saying, I've... I've got everything you need. Just please take it. And there are people in this room today, 
you haven't taken it. And it's probably because you think, God's mad at me. God thinks I'm an idiot. Say, well, Brad, I don't know about that. Like, I have trust issues. I've heard this a lot of times. And these Christian people you're hanging out with, like, I don't really like them too much. And I have trust issues anyway, so I don't know about this. Um, Jesus knew that you were going to be that way. And, and here's what he says in his word. If, if you go to John chapter 6, verse 37. John chapter 6, verse 37. Here's what he says. This is Jesus. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Are you serious? Now, ask yourself this question. Why did Jesus not just say, all that the Father gives me will come to me, period? You ever think about that? Why did he add, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out? I have the answer. Are you ready? Because every one of us, deep down, have a fear of being casted out, don't we? So some of us won't come to Jesus because there's this fear because of our thoughts of God and we fear being casted out. And Jesus knew we would think this. So you know what he says? Listen to me, whoever comes to me. Wait a minute, whoever? Yeah, whoever. Does that mean like who? No, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That is the greatest news we're ever going to hear in our lives. And some of you still don't believe it. So I've been reading this book. I highly recommend it. Gentle and Lowly. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> let, me let me just read you a little kind of diatribe conversation that I think most of us would like to have today. It's between you and Jesus. It's between me and Jesus. Are you ready? No wait, Brad Lowe says. No wait. As we, can, as we cautiously approach Jesus. You don't understand, Jesus. I've, I've really messed up like in all kinds of ways. And Jesus says, oh, I know. No, 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 Jesus, you know most of it, sure. Certainly more than what others would see, but... but there's perversity down inside of me that's hidden from everyone. And Jesus says, no, I, I, I know every single bit of it. I know it all. Well, the thing is, uh, the thing is, Jesus, it isn't just my past, it's my present too. Yeah, I understand, Jesus says, I understand. But I don't know if I can break free from this anytime soon. Jesus says, that's the only kind of person I'm here to help. The burden is heavy, and it's heavier all the time. And Jesus says, then let me carry it. But it's too much to bear. Jesus says, not for me. No, you don't get it, Jesus. So my offenses aren't directed toward others. They're, they're actually against you, Jesus. And Jesus says, then I'm the one most suited to forgive you then. But the more of the ugliness in me that you discover, the sooner you'll get fed up with me. 
And Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Amen. That's the greatest news we're ever going to hear in our lives. You need to hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear this morning. Jesus loves you. He is not intimidated by your sin. Don't hear what I didn't say. I didn't say he approves of it, but he's not scared of it. He's not intimidated by it. Your sin actually put him on a cross. My sin put him on the cross. He died for it. But hear me, he deals gently with you. He deals gently with me. That's his heart. Is this not the greatest news you've ever heard in your life? And here's the thing. If it is, I'm about to blow your minds. It gets better. It, it gets better. And we don't talk about this very much. Because we hear this, like it's Easter. Yeah, this thing happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah, Jesus put on flesh and he came. And it's like, and in our minds we're like, he came, he died for us, he ascended into heaven. And it's like he gives us a butt tap. It's like, you'll be all right down there now. I have good, good news for y'all. See, Jesus is still up to good right now. You understand this? Let me say that again. Jesus is still up to good right now. Say, Brad, what are you talking about? Well, Hebrews 13 tells us that, G- that, 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 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's really good news. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But Hebrews 12 says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. What joy? What's Hebrews talking about? Nothing gives Jesus more joy than just dumping out his mercy all the time. That's the joy that was set before him. That's why he endured the cross. Here's the word for it. You ready? Intercession. You guys ever heard of that word? Intercession. This is the doctrine of intercession. We don't talk about it a ton. But that's the work of Jesus right now, in this moment. Listen to me. Literally, right now, if you're following Jesus... Jesus is interceding on your behalf right now. That is a really, really big deal. Here's what it is. It applies what his work in the death, burial, and resurrection accomplished. So he accomplished it. It's not like he missed it. He didn't miss anything when he was here and he, and he died and rose again. He didn't miss it. Now, what he did 2,000 years ago, he just applies it all the time. Psh, 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 all the time. How often? How often? Are you ready? It says, since he always lives. Praise God, it's Easter. What'd that phrase say? He always lives. Happy Easter, Hill City Church. He always lives to make intercession. How often is he interceding on your half and my behalf? How often? Always. It doesn't ever stop. Right now, that's the work of our King. Jesus did something in the past that he now talks about in the present all the time to God the Father. So now we can go to Romans. This is huge. Are you ready? This is really good news. 
because he's interceding this very second, now I can go to Romans and I can just speak it out loud. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's another way of saying God's chosen. And if you're following Jesus, you're God's chosen. And who gets to do that? Who gets to bring a charge against God's kids? Answer, it's only God. And God justified us. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Happy Easter, Hill City. And he's at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. See, now here's the thing. Somewhere, this, this, is, this is somebody's story here, okay? Somewhere deep in, in your heart, okay? Or, or maybe somewhere hidden deep behind the curtain of your life, you've got this thing, okay? And you're like, that, that's never coming out from behind the curtain. You're like, First of all, that's so hidden and so deep and so dark, God's forgiveness doesn't even get there. Now, you would never say that out loud, but you live that way and you actually believe it. There's that place that seems like it's beyond healing. And maybe it was actually some people in a church that actually told you that place was beyond healing at one time. I mean, it stings. I get it. Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save to the uttermost. Now, we don't use that phrase, but here's the deal. His forgiveness gets to the deepest crevice of your darkest moment. That's what that, that's what that verse is saying. He saves to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him. Here we go. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. He saves to the uttermost. How often? Always. He doesn't ever stop. Doesn't ever stop what? He doesn't ever stop bringing his atoning life, death, and resurrection before God the Father at every moment. Your life, your death, your blood was shed for every moment, every moment. We sing it. Do we believe it? See, that dark place, that reason that almost kept you from coming here today on Easter, nothing gives Jesus more joy than to go there. I have, it gets better. Can you believe this? It still gets better. This is insane. I'm telling you, this is the good news of Jesus. He's still up to good. And it's not just intercession. 1 John 2, 1 says this. Now this is like Grandpa John. John is old. He's lived his life. He's writing and he says, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, can I get an amen? Just somebody's, just me, just me, just the pastor here. But if anyone does sin, 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. It's not that he's just interceding, and he intercedes always. He's also our advocate when it's time for him to be an advocate. We will sin. The Bible doesn't teach us. Hear me, some of you don't know this. Some of you think the Bible teaches something it doesn't. The Bible does not teach us that once we follow Jesus, that sin will magically disappear. It doesn't teach us that. Are we called to run from sin? Yes. Are we called to reject sin? No true child of God would say otherwise. We are called to do that. But when we do choose sin, which sometimes we do, we are stepping out of our identity as a kid of the king of kings. That's real. Our true identity as God's kid. But here's what we do. All the parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's what we do when we sin. Our natural tendency is we will self-advocate, won't we? And we do it by blaming or by making excuses. That's just how, listen, that's what our dad did. And I'm, when I say dad, I mean Adam. Do you remember the garden? Like God comes down, he's like, the, the woman. He was self-advocating. Self that's what we will do naturally. That's what my kids do, right? I'm telling you. Listen, hand to the sky. Hand to the sky. If my kids get in trouble, the first thing out of their mouth is a sibling's name. I'm telling you. 100%. It's like, Brody, what are you doing? Well, Brecken. Brecken, what are you doing? Well, Clementine. Oakley, why would you? Well, Clementine. <laughs> Who taught them that? No one had to teach them that. That's what we do. We all self advocate but here's the deal here's what here, listen this is why it's good news it's such good news with Jesus we don't have to do that when we sin we don't have to self-advocate we have someone who is our advocate and he actually makes a way better defense for us than we can make for ourselves we can leave our case to be made by Jesus Christ. He already knows everything we did anyway. John Bunyan says this. He's a Puritan writer. But what should we now do if we had not an advocate? If we had not one who would plead. Yes, if we had not one that could prevail and that would faithfully execute that office for us. Why? We must die. See, Jesus is active right now. Jesus is still as loving today as he was. Jesus is still as connected today as he was. Jesus is still as close today as he was 2,000 years ago. And that's the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. And now you're like this, Brad, you read some verse out of Colossians and you haven't even talked about it. Okay, everything I just told you, let's just start from the beginning. 
when you know who God is, when you know his heart and that he deals gently and that it's mercy and gracious and steadfast love, when you know what God did for you when he put on flesh and he came and what he, he showed his love through his son Jesus, when you know what Jesus is doing right now, literally right now, then the peace of God can rule in your heart. It's an umpire. It's, it's an official in life letting you know what thought, what activities, what things are safe, what things are out. Okay, so what does that mean? Okay, let's just get really practical. Got some mamas in the room. And I know how it is. You're looking on the social media and you're like, I'm not as good as mom as every single other mom on the planet. And you're, and you're tearing yourself up. And, and the umpire, the peace of God that umpires your life comes in when those thoughts comes in. And he's like, no, 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 that's out. You don't get to think that. You're my kid. See, some of you are like, well, I want to share Jesus. Like, I know what he's done for you. I want to share him. But, but, but listen, I, I don't think I have the right words. And the umpire comes in and he says, that's out. You don't even have to know where Lamentations is, which I read. You don't even have to know where that is in the Bible. If you know what Jesus did for you, you can go tell somebody, safe. Some of you, listen, if you're all of you who are following Jesus, you have a gift. And do you know what you're allowed to say? I am gifted in this area. Safe. That's not arrogance. That's not pride. That's saying what Jesus said about you. I know last week you did that thing again. I know you did. You did the thing last week that you said you would never do again. And now you're going, God's, God is stone-hearted. He's mad at me. An official grabs his yellow flag and he throws it. He says, no, that's a legal procedure right here. Don't distance yourself from Jesus. See, we have some empty nesters, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hitting everybody today. Some of y'all, you're like, man, I don't even know if I have a purpose. I gave my whole life to raising kids and now they're gone. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Do I even have a purpose? Like, or maybe some of you are like, well, I did it. I'm going to hit cruise control. And it's like, listen, and the umpire, the peace of God comes in and says, that's out. I still have a work for you to participate in. I still have a calling on your life. Some of y'all have thought about serving this church. I know you have. You've thought about jumping in and serving, but you got this thing behind the curtain that you think the forgiveness of God can't get there. And you're like, man, because of that, there's no way I could ever do. Listen to me. And an umpire comes in and the peace of God says, no. And he deals gently with us. See, God is rich. And mercy. He sent Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. He intercedes always on our behalf, and He's our advocate. And here's what I know about peace when things are peaceful, do we sleep better? Oh. Let me tell you what I just did today. With all my heart and soul, I preached the gospel, the good news. 
And when the peace of Christ rules your heart, here's what we get to do. You ready? Tonight, we just get to lay our head on the gospel. And when we mess up today, there's the gospel. There's Jesus. And you know what we get to do? We get to run to him. And tomorrow night, we get to lay our head on the gospel. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let's pray.